Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. to want to worry about my kids, um, but worrying doesn't accomplish anything. But when I pray and pray for them and whatever's going on, even if I don't know what it is, I know that God can work in their heart and in their life. I just want to go to God and I just want to say, Lord, will you please fix this? Will you please do this? I need this. But this verse is such a great reminder that I also need to stop and think about who God is. I need to thank Him for who He is and thank Him even in difficult situations as the last couple of months have been hard for our family. I need to stop and thank Him for what is good. It's so easy to say, why, why us? Why is this happening? What's going on? Um, and it's so easy to derail and run away from God. Uh, but instead, my wife and I, we actually got close and we ran toward, towards God. Like everything started together and we went down this crazy path and it ended together. And I'm so happy God put us through that and put me through that path because we're certainly better for it. We're only so strong and we go, grow weary with each challenge, no matter your support group or your own inner strength, your inner faith, you, you really have to hand things over. And I was hearing things that I had heard all these years with my religious upbringing, but now I was hearing it with my heart. And I guess that's where my journey led me. I was weary enough to open my heart and say, Hold on, so if I'm willing to allow God to help me, He will, but I, I now understand that um, this path has been laid out. I've been put in, on this path to comfort others because I've been comforted. God does not explain Himself in the moment, typically. You can come to the crossroads and, and you if you're tempted by the the why me path, that's looking up into the heavens and shaking your fist and saying, why me? Mm. Versus looking at the help me path and dropping down to your knees and opening your arms wide and saying, help me. You're not going to get a satisfactory answer. You're not really going to get an answer to the why me question. Mm. And so without an answer, you don't have hope. So no answer leads to no hope. Mm. And then it's just a downward spiral. You're, you, you know, as you continue down that path, you're not getting towards uh, a place of victory. My hope is that other people can see that if God is for us, that nothing can stand against us. That's right. Those were highlights from our interviews last week, and it was a powerful Sunday for us. If you were not here, I would encourage you to check out our website or go to Valley Point's Facebook wall and view those interviews because it's just people talking about a verse or verses that they have chosen to use as an anchor for their souls throughout 2020. And they explain the process a little bit and they all walk through some element of loss 
Just very dynamic stories that I would encourage you to view if you did not get the chance to do that. I'm so glad you're here today. I wanted to show you something. This frame over here is our very first life verse display from 2013. And I share this with you because it's a beautiful picture of our church's journey. About eight years ago, we started the year by saying, you know what, let's pick some verses and let's write them down on some post-it notes and we'll use this as a way to guide us in 2013. And this has now become a tradition for us. And we have started every year after that with a focus on the word of God and everybody searching and finding some words that can move us through whatever we encounter this year. So this was our display back in 2013. You know what our display looked like last year because it's hanging out in the lobby. I love this because it also represents our church growth. We wouldn't be able to all fit on this frame anymore. We have a new display for this year and I wanna show you that picture on the screen. It's the word one. And we'll talk about our signing moment in just a little bit where you'll have the chance to put your name down if you wanna do that and the verses that you have chosen, if you choose to do that, we're gonna have that chance in a moment, and I'll describe that for you. But we're choosing this word one based on our church-wide life verse, which is in Matthew chapter five. And it talks about how we, us, we are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Nobody does that. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. We want to focus on being a bright light for our one as we put down our verses. This will be on display in the lobby, and every time we walk in and out of this place, we're going to have a great reminder of what God is calling us to do in 2020 as we stand on his word, which that's really what we're doing today. One of the great joys in my life is studying scripture. I love it. There is just no end to what we can discover in the word of God. It is unique and dynamic. And it's filled with mentors, right? Have you ever considered this? These are real authors. And as they write, moved along by God, they actually mentor us and so they invite us to sit down and say, let's talk about God, about life, about failure, about success and what God wants for us. Mentors, right here in scripture. I'm thinking of the mentor Joshua who talks about being courageous and do not fear. And God called Joshua to do a lot of tough things. But Joshua knew that he could have courage in God. The other thing that we find from Joshua, he mentors us in leading our families to love God and know God as well. Joshua's a great mentor. I'm thinking of a mentor like Esther. Oh my, she was very courageous. She did a tough thing, but she made the right choice, and God certainly elevated her and rewarded her for doing that, and 
She saved a nation. That's what we learned from Esther. I'm thinking of a mentor like, like Nehemiah. I love Nehemiah, and I think he holds a special place in our heart as a church because we've spent several weeks in the book of Nehemiah when we were thinking about building this real home. God gave Nehemiah a burden to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, and Nehemiah couldn't shake that. He couldn't let that burden go inside of him. And so he began to plan and pray. And then he planned some more and he prayed some more. And God made it very possible for him to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem and restore the dignity of that city. And Nehemiah mentored us in our whole process of moving into our real home. I'm thinking of a mentor like Jonah. (laughs) Jonah, who so clearly helps us see the justice and mercy of God. All kinds of mentors right here in Scripture. As a matter of fact, starting next Sunday, we're going to ask the Apostle Paul to sit down with us and mentor us as we walk verse by verse throughout the month of February and March through the delightful New Testament book called Philippians. And I hope that she'll be here because we're going to have so much fun as we think about an unusual view of life that really flows out of a Jesus poem found in Philippians chapter 2. Theologians call it the kenosis, the self-emptying of Jesus who presents this unusual view of life and the Apostle Paul is going to mentor each and every one of us as we embrace this kind of life. I hope that you'll be here because we're going to be mentored by Paul himself. The Bible is absolutely amazing. People often ask me when they find out that I'm a pastor, what do you do all week? (laughs) And I normally respond to that and say, what do you mean all week? I only work one day. (laughs) It's not true. It's not true. Throughout the week, I'm visioning and strategizing and working on Valley Point, the organization, having staff meetings, meetings with other people as well, interacting with the communities around us. That fills a large portion of my week. The other part of the week really is dedicated to studying the scriptures so that I have something to share with all of you. And I do that using hermeneutics, which is the principles of interpreting scripture. There are principles that guide us. We can't just make scripture say whatever we want it to say to make us feel better. There are principles that guide us. That's hermeneutics. And so I think about all of that. And then I walk through exegesis. That's the actual interpretation or bringing meaning out of the passage. And then I use homiletics, which is the art of preparing a sermon. These are the tools of the trade for a pastor. Hermeneutics, exegesis, and homiletics. And I package all of that as I study the scriptures so that when we meet on Sundays, we are hearing from God because we need that, right? We certainly do. Who cares what I have to say? (laughs) We need to actually hear 
from God. And I love studying the scriptures and using all of these different methods as a way to help us see and hear and understand the heart of God. It's interesting because early Christianity in the Roman era was a bookish religion. And that was kind of unusual at that time. Early Christianity, that's our roots, was a very bookish religion. I've talked to you in the past about how I love books. I love them, and I buy books and never read them just to have them and say I have them. I love books, and, and I have to have the actual book. I've tried the whole online thing or reading from a tablet. God bless you if you like that. Doesn't work for me. I have to hold the actual book because when you get a new book, you have the chance to hold it and see it and feel it and... Oh my goodness, the smell of new books is just amazing. This is a new book I purchased. I hope to read it at some point before the end of summer because I'm thinking about using some thoughts here in preparation for the fall here. It's by N.T. Wright. It's called Surprised by Hope. Thinking about heaven and the resurrection and the mission of the church. Hope. It's a great book. And as we think about our roots, they were very bookish and I think we should still be that way. I'm in a class right now on organizational ethics. Not a very exciting class, but this has been a good book because it challenges organizations to think about the ethical choices they make constantly. Constantly, all of the time. Every decision is in some way tied to an ethic. And so this has been a great read for me. My son is a freshman at Eastern University, and he completed his first semester. He came home on his Christmas break, and he said, I have these books. I don't think I want them anymore. I'm not sure what to do with them. And I'm like, books, I'll take them. <laughs> I probably paid for them anyway. <laughs> Certainly. So he has this one book by Brian Stevenson. It's called Just Mercy. This is actually a movie right now starring Denzel Washington and Michael B. Jordan of Creed, Rocky. <laughs> Everything comes back to Rocky. Brian Stevenson is a graduate of Eastern University right here in Pennsylvania, and this is a book that shares the story of justice and redemption. I can't wait to read it. And then I found this book, C.S. Lewis, Chandler read through this, The Screwtape Letters. This is like a classic Christian book and every pastor should have this on their shelf, I thought, certainly I have this book somewhere, and I began to look. I didn't have the book. And then I began to be worried. What kind of pastor am I if I don't have C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters? But I have it now, thanks to my son. I love books. I love books. And as we think about our roots, Christianity is a bookish religion Larry Hurtado, a New Testament scholar, asserted that Christianity, being bookish, has the idea that reading, writing, copying, and dissemination of texts has a major place, indeed a prominence, in early Christianity. And here's what's interesting about that. This bookish concept was a little bit unusual in the Roman era. 
Hurtado, in his book, The Destroyer of the Gods, goes on to say that the importance of books, especially scriptures in early Christianity, especially the sacred texts in Christian tradition down the centuries, is well known. Early Christianity, their love for the sacred text, that is well known, and it had a special place in their hearts. Indeed, the sacred text still has a special place in our hearts as we carry on the tradition of Christianity. We're part of this story. Now, I share all of that with you. Christianity being a bookish religion and really hanging on to the sacred text. I share all of that with you just so that we walk out of here with a sense that the Bible matters And it's why we should give personal time to it. We should. And why we take time corporately to think about the value of the word of God. I also share that to state I love teaching the scriptures. I absolutely love it. It brings me great joy. And I have a homiletical approach to how I share this with you. And if you've been here at Valley Point, you're well aware of this approach. If you are brand new, then this will be good information for you in terms of how we approach the Word of God. I generally begin with a big idea, and then we look at Scripture. From the Scripture, I share thinking points, and then I provide practical takeaways to help us all survive another seven days. That's the formula. Big idea, Scripture, thinking points, and then takeaways. I thought it would be a lot of fun on this day where we're thinking about our life verses and how important they are to us to just run a couple of verses through that grid and just share with you how I practically prepare in teaching each week and lift up in the process the value of the Word of God. So let's take this formula and I'll show you how I prepare. I generally begin with the text, and today I want to look at Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. It's an Old Testament passage. Here's what it says. A voice said, shout. I, Isaiah, asked, what should I shout? Shout that people are like the grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord, and so it is with people. The grass withers, and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. The word of our God stands forever. Really good news for all of us. Now, here's how I approach that. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 6 through 8. We've got to get some context on who is this Isaiah individual. We need to understand because that helps us know a little bit about what he's writing. So the author of this book is the person Isaiah. He's an Old Testament prophet. We know he was from a distinguished Jewish family. Because he was from that type of family, he was well-educated. And he uses incredible words in the book of Isaiah. And it's beautifully communicated. If you've never read it, I would encourage you to do that. That all flows from his education. That's a little bit about Isaiah. 
We know that he served the nation of Israel during this time frame here. He was the voice of God. God would give him messages like, shout. Here's a few things I want you to shout. Now you go and talk to the people about that. You be my voice. And so he served for a long time. The purpose of the book of Isaiah is this one word, salvation. Uniquely, Isaiah uses this word about 26 different times, salvation. He uses that word more than any other Old Testament prophet. So that makes it somewhat important and worthy of our attention. Here's the unique thing about the book of Isaiah, and I love this. It's like a a mini Bible. It has 66 chapters. Well, the Bible with the Old Testament's 39 books and with its 27 New Testament books has 66 books. So 66 chapters in Isaiah, 66 books in what is known as the canon of Scripture, the Old Testament, and the New Testament. What you find is a very unique breakdown as well in Isaiah, chapters 1 through 39. They deal with how we need a rescuer. We are all in need of salvation. And that very much mirrors the Old Testament and the message there. We need a rescuer. And the Old Testament points to one that is coming. The final 27 chapters talk about God's provision of salvation. And that very much mirrors the New Testament as well. So you could say that Isaiah, it's the Mount Everest of Hebrew prophecy. It is a big deal. Now we come to these words in Isaiah chapter 40. Verse 6, and I'll walk you through a method that I use called phrasing. Phrasing is where you take the different pieces of a potential paragraph or a verse, and you separate them, and from the flow of thought, you determine a main phrase, and then everything should be supporting that or speak to that in some way. And that really falls out of Isaiah chapter 40 in the verses that we read. So the main phrase is, God comes to Isaiah and says, shout, shout. Here's some things that I want you to share. Shout this. Well, I think it's natural for us then to ask, as we peel apart these words, what is it that we are to shout? Well, God wanted Isaiah to shout three different things. Shout that people are like grass. Share that with my people. They're they're like grass. Meaning beauty fades. Well, in the context of that verse, the word beauty has the idea of all or whole. So people are like grass, beauty fades, all of it. The whole of beauty fades. Ouch. That's not good news for us. But I don't think that's something we don't already know. We're all in the aging process and beauty fades away from us, it slips. So Isaiah shout this, And then I want you to shout that people are also like flowers. They don't last. And then I want you to shout that stuff fades. Grass, flowers, beauty, it all goes away. And guess what? People, uh, well, they're the same. They're like grass. They are like flowers. The point here is that the word of God stands. And that's that last phrase that we read. The word of God stands, which means it has the ability to arise, to stand up, 
And this is why we investigate it. It's why we read. It's why we memorize. Because everything else fades. We fade. Flowers fade. Beauty fades. Grass fades. But the word of God has the ability to arise or to stand up. Now, what I do is from the flow of thought, I then craft a big idea. Often you hear the big idea first when I talk, but generally that's the last thing that I write because I take the flow of thought from all of the scripture and the context and the history and culture and all of that, and then you want to make sure the big idea actually supports what the text is saying. So here's a big idea for Isaiah chapter 40. The word of God stands and is better than beauty. Wow, that's encouraging, isn't it? The word of God stands. It's better than beauty, and guess what? I can stand with it. The word of God, I can stand with it. I can't think of a better way to think about committing to our life verses than saying the word of God has the ability to stand up. We can stand on what God has given to us. And that should give us all a lot of confidence with whatever verse or verses God has planted on your heart as a way to say, this is my verse for 2020. I'm gonna memorize it. I'm gonna walk through the year thinking about this. Whatever God has given to you, you can stand on that and have confidence in it because the word of God doesn't fade. It's not like us. It's not like flowers. It's not like beauty. It stands up. It will arise. And we can have a lot of confidence, a lot of confidence as we stand on the word of God, which is what we are now going to give everybody the opportunity to do as we think about concluding our Life Verse 2020 theme. So let me talk to you a little bit about how this will work. One more time, just Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8, the grass withers and the flowers fade beneath the breath of the Lord, and so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever, and we get to stand on it now. So here's how this will work. We have a new display that we're going to ask you to sign. It's the word one. And in a few weeks after we've had opportunity to sign this and give those who couldn't be here today that chance as well, We'll put that up on the wall and it will be a reminder as we enter and as we exit to think about our one and how we are to be a bright light and not hide that light under a basket but put it on a stand so that it gives light to every one in the house. It's gonna be a great reminder for us. So you're gonna have the chance to sign in just a few moments. You'll be dismissed by Rose, very similar to communion. When you're dismissed, I'd invite you to come down front. There'll be some letters here. There are Sharpies as well. You can take those pens and put your verse down and you'll see from 8.30 that there's already some stuff here, which looks great. You can begin to fill in the gaps. I'd encourage you to put down the reference. You're not gonna have time to write out the whole verse and we probably don't have space for that either. So just put down the reference. If you want to put down your name, you can certainly do that, but you don't have to. The reference is just fine. We'll begin filling these up and then we'll hang them in time. After you have signed, then you can return to your seat. I'd encourage you just to use this time to think and reflect and to pray. After everyone has had the chance to sign, which we may actually run out of time here 
during our 10 o'clock because there's a great crowd here. So even if you don't have the chance to come up here and do that, if you see me come back up to pray and close out our time, know that you can hang out afterwards or even next week, you'll still have the opportunity to sign. So that may be a bit challenging for this hour, which is a good problem to have. But if you've signed, then you can return to your seat and simply use this time to pray. I'll come back up and close out this moment with a commitment time and a reminder to be a bright light. This is all optional. You don't have to participate. Maybe you're here for the first time and you're like, what, what's happening? What's going on in this church? I'm not like signing anything at all. Uh, you don't have to, okay? You don't have to sign anything. You can simply relax and enjoy watching this moment and pray during this time as well. It's completely optional. You may want to bring up your phone or perhaps write down your reference on the talk notes. Some books of the Bible are really hard to spell, and so if you want to think about that before you come up here, that might be helpful. Okay, let me pray, and then we will dismiss and begin our process of really committing to these verses and standing on the Word of God, which does not fade. Father, here we are on the last Sunday of the month, ready to write down some verses. Uh, What a joy this is to see, to experience, and to do. So use this time now to just really cement in our minds the beauty and value of God's word and how we can stand on it and commit to some words to guide us through the year. So bless us as we walk through this, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.